0: This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test.
1: The following program is intended for mature audiences. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. Hey, Craig. It's 2015. Wait! It's 2019, and this is This Week in Tennis. He's Craig Doyle. I'm Phil Nasons, and we want to welcome you to the weekly tennis show, the reboot of the weekly tennis show known as This Week in Tennis. Craig, what's happening, my friend?
0: Really, it's 2019 already. It just feels like, you know, we dropped this at the end of last year or something, and we're reconnecting. But when, you know, I logged on there, and uh, you highlighted to me that we've not done this for, like, four years, I thought, wow, you know, so much has changed, but on the tennis scene, so much is the same, right?
1: Right. So much is the same, but uh, this is this week in tennis. You can find me over at Flash Tennis Thirty One. Craig is over at CD Media, right? CD Sports Media. All right, CD Sports Media. So you got to find Craig. He's been doing some big time soccer or football photography it's been fantastic watching your rise i remember we did meet up in 2015 was it no 2016 we were in new york during the u.s open correct
0: um i think it might have been 2015 actually okay Um, it was
1: 2015 um, that's right
0: yeah because it was it was around about the time uh we stopped doing the show, and uh, you know, I remember going over there. But I think I saw Murray Curios in the first round, and uh, you know, some some really good uh, early round matches. I think I um, may, may have even been there the night Rafael Nadal went out to Fognini in a, a five-setter on Ash. Incredible night, um and you know, we we kicked back, we had a few beers, we had a few good times, and you know, we hung out, didn't we?
1: We sure did. We hung out at that Greek restaurant. Remember that Greek bar by the Madison Square Garden. Sports 33 or something, but I can't remember that girl's name, but it was a lot of fun that night. They treated us very well, and we were really thrilled to be there. We were there all day watching tennis and having a great time. You know, when we look back at 2015, 2015, 2015 Novak Djokovic was the number one player in the world when we stopped doing this show. Andy Murray was the second-ranked player. Roger Federer was number three. Stan Wawrinka was number four. And Rafael Nadal was rounded out to top five at number five. And you know what? We flash forward to 2019, and there's not much different, is there?
0: No, there's not. I mean, you look at it, Novak Djokovic, he's still the premier player on the tour at the minute. Roger Federer is still up there. Rafael Nadal still up there. I know we've got a couple of new entries in Dominic Thiem and uh, the Medvedev kid. However, you know, that could just be symptomatic of the fact that Wawrinka's had a couple of knee injuries. He's just coming back. Andy Murray's been absent for the best part of two years now with um, hip problems. And, you know, he's only just started to play singles again in the last month. So, you know, you you don't know. Maybe Murray and Wawrinka would still be there if not for injuries. But um, the the longevity of these guys, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, these Hall of Fame players, these uh, what they call the golden generation. I mean, it's not just five years, is it? It's, it's the best part of a decade and more that these guys have been at the top of the game.
1: And they're, and they're aging well, too. You know, uh, I would have thought Roger Federer would be finished with tennis by now. Apparently he is not. He's still winning. Uh, Rafael Nadal, I thought he would be finished by now because of injuries to his knees and he's still grinding out there. Novak Djokovic, I thought he would just disappear because, well, there was a period of time there where he probably did disappear and only showed up you know, in body without spirit, and, and but they're still there, and it's, it's incredible. Andy Murray injured, what a, what an issue for that? You know, what what a mess. You've got a kid here who wh- wh- won Wimbledon, became English all of a sudden. You know, even Great Britain forgot he was from Scotland for, and still do. And, and you've got Stan Wawrinka, and he's number he's not even around now. You know, he I think he's ranked what 29th in the world. He's still there, but he's not dominant as he was maybe that season, that season and a half. But then you've got Dominic Team, who I like his game, but I don't think his mind is in there yet. And you've got Daniil Medvedev, who's also playing quite well. And then you've got some other kids. The men's side of things... For all that consistency, do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a good thing that the only three people that seem to win these majors are Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer? I cannot get these words out today, Craig.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, um, when you have these uh, global superstars, these guys that almost transcend the sport. I mean, you know, Roger Federer is an ambassador for so many things. He People who don't even watch tennis know who this guy is. Um, to have him still at the top of the sport, he uh, he's a huge draw, if you want to put it in, in that kind of terms. He sells tickets. He sells TV subscriptions. Um, you know, he's he carries sponsors and the other guys, Nadal, Djokovic is a similar thing, you know, the longer you have these guys, the bigger the draw it is these guys have got such a huge fan base that it, it draws a customer to the product of tennis on the other hand, though, you know, these guys are getting to the stage where they're, they're not going to be here maybe in five years um, you're going to have to get new stars and from from the business standpoint for tennis it, it could be quite a difficult few years when these guys disappear because you've got to build these new star names up uh, and they've got to be able to attract the the audiences, the the fans in the way that Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal have over the
1: years and, and that's a good point too because it does revolve around money It's that's what it is, all sports revolve around money, professional sports anyway, the money these guys make God bless him. You know, when you think about how much money, say, Jimmy Connors got for winning the U.S. Open, and uh, you think about how all these great pioneers blazed the trail, Arthur Ashe making, what, $2,100 to win the U.S. Open. It's incredible that the winner of this tournament, first round, Craig, first round, 58 grand. You're going to make 58000 bucks in the first round of the U.S. Open, isn't that nuts? Can you imagine? Um, how That's a lot of money, bro.
0: It's a lot of money. And by the way, just to clarify that, you don't have to win to get that money. No,
1: you you're guaranteed fifty-eight grand.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy money. And, you know, like there's four of these events um, throughout the year and they pay, you know, it's maybe not equal money at all four of these Grand Slam events, but if you play first round at all four of these Grand Slam events, you times your 58 grand by four, you know, you do the maths. That's a lot of money.
1: That's a lot of money. And more importantly, that pays all your bills. You're making, you're probably still making, well, you are making a lot more than the average American and you have no right to complain.
0: No, no, I, I mean, like, it's... The that's, average, that's, that's, got,
1: that's four matches, folks. That's four matches for 200 Gs.
0: The average American, you, you know, I, I don't know what the average American's salary is. I'm, I'm sure it varies across
1: yes, the country.
0: Does. But, you, you know, over here in the UK, you know, just getting to one of these events, losing in the first round, you're probably making three times as much as the average person's salary. So... You know, you could be making 12 times the average person's salary per year. You're living pretty nice lifestyle. You're out in the sunshine most of the year. You're hitting tennis balls. You are keeping yourself fit. Um, you know, you're, you're putting some cash in the bank. It's it's not bad pay, is it?
1: It's not bad pay, especially if you can get there. Now, the big beef is is that it's so hard to get there. Well, no kidding. You know, it's all it, when you. When I work with kids, and I still do in the summers at Brookwood Camps, and we'll have some tennis academies, week-long tennis academies next summer, if you want to do that, go to brookwoodcamps.com and ask them to sign up with The Flash. That's me. Anyway, the end of the day is you've got these guys that are like 500, 400, 300, and they're probably not even going to get to qualify, which I have the the U.S. Open qualies on the screen above me in the studio here those folks, and I tell my kids, all of them, the first thing I tell them is, if you don't have at least $200,000 to spend on your development when you turn pro, then you need to go to college, play for three or four years, get yourself some points, win something, get yourself, win some something so that you get a free wild card into one of these events, and go out there and ding one, you know, win a couple matches. That's how you have to do it. I mean, there's a big beef about well they make so much money well they do of course they do but that doesn't mean that you have a right to be there too because they've gotten there they had to get there the same way that everyone gets there right
0: yeah I mean you got to knuckle down you gotta you gotta pay your bills effectively um, you know you, you gotta build swing the racket with the best of them and, and get yourself into that privileged position you know that's not not easy you look at these grand slams there's only 128 guys and 128 girls on the starting line so it's not like they're paying thousands of people that money um, there is you know you, you gotta have skill it's just one of those things it's a true test of character and skill you can't, uh, you can't cheat your way there you know that's it's not gonna happen it's not easy um, but they wouldn't be paying the big bucks if it was easy
1: well that's exactly right and that's the kind of the thing that you want to get to, you know. You you don't get to climb the mountain at the at the top. You got to start at the bottom, just like everyone else did. And no one just got a wild card into the main draw as their first professional match unless they earned it. See, that's the other thing. We got to earn these things as we go. But the end of the day is, this is an individual sport, Craig. And when you look at these kids out there, and to me, they're all kids. I've worked with a lot of them over the years. What you tell them, you got to tell them the bottom line, the truth. you got to tell them tennis is all about, first of all, you need the physical skills. Second of all, you need the mental skills because it's a grind. Because when you're out there eating uh, tuna fish and crackers in a van while you're driving from tournament to tournament, that takes its toll, especially if you're losing in the first round and you're, you're getting hammered and, and, and things aren't working out that way. You also need a great support team. And part of that support team is you need the cash to send you out there to, to uh, live out your dream, to give you the, to give you to take some of that pressure off you. Because if you have that kind of pressure, and now you're you're swinging for uh, cash too to stay alive, that's too much for these young people. You know, it, it's a shame that they do that. Colleges take kids all the time, dude, and especially foreign kids because they're more mature. And that's your route. But don't cry about the fact that you turn pro and you can't win in three years. You have to still win. You know, Novak Djokovic is the number one player in the world, but he had to win to get there. I mean, you don't just get to hang out there for eight or 10 years and hope somebody uh, feeds you while you do it. It's not going to work.
0: No, no. Um, that, that's just not how it works. I know, a lot of kids come in, they have a sponsor, but, you know, those sponsors only last so long. Right. They only provide so much. Funding. I mean, you, you work with kids and that you'll know that you'll see kids coming in with a sponsor, and um, you, you, you might even see some kids out in the tour who who are still there. They, they've not really cracked the top one hundred, but they're able to play because they come from like a wealthy background. But if if you don't have that finance behind you to get there, it's it's difficult and. You know, you, you'll see guys appear and just completely disappear because um, they, they weren't able to perform on the court they couldn't deal with the, the pressure or you know they couldn't get the wins on the board that, that got that 58 big ones in their account you know or got them to the stage where they could get that
1: that money in their account because that's a lot of juice you know back in my day it cost between 35 thousand and fifty thousand dollars a year to get through the tour because of all the traveling and whatnot. And I get it. I get the, the whole cash thing argument, and we need more prize money. But at the end of the day, you still have to win. And if you're not ready to win, you know, then you need to have money behind you or go to college. Stop all the crying about what the game needs to be fixed because at the end of the day, it's all about winning and having all the tools in place in order to perform at your highest level. And one of those tools is you need to get some cash and you're not going to get any from the Flash, because I'm not going to do that. But I tell you what they should do, Craig. And this is this is a a stickler for me. They should make some of these guys give their first coaches money, you know, because those first coaches, the good ones anyway, who went out there and worked with them at a lot cheaper rate, or in free or free lessons for that matter, so that they could get to that level because the cash was so tight, they should come back and tip you or something, don't you think?
0: <laughs> Anyone in mind?
1: <laughs> oh, I've got several. But that's okay. You know what? I did it out of the goodness of my heart. I'm only playing. I've never had any kid stiff me. I don't think I ever will. But it is what it is. But we've got this men's side of the draw, Craig. Now, let's not even worry about the draw. It came out about an hour ago, but Craig and I were working, so we kind of missed out on some things. But you got Novak Djokovic is the overwhelming favorite at plus 125. I'm reading these odds off oddshark.com plus 125. Is that a bet Craig Doyle makes or not?
0: Yeah, like just looking back at the, the last couple of years at Grand Slam performance, uh, Novak Djokovic tends to win as long as he's not playing on clay and they only have one of these things on clay. Um, if we just go right back, Yeah, well, thankfully, yeah. But uh, <laughs> if we just go back to the summer there where he played uh, Roger Federer at Wimbledon, I mean, Novak Djokovic was the second-best player in almost every stats category all the way through that match. He faced match point um, in the tie break in the fifth set. Never really looked like he was going to win it, but, uh, you know, guess who won Wimbledon?
1: Yeah, obviously, so he's got to be the guy. I guess you have to play him, but, you know, you're not going to pick up a lot of cash betting Novak Djokovic unless you got an outstandingly huge bankroll. And, you know, at plus 125, it's not much of a value, but it's hard to bet against him. And, you know, there's some other names. Let me throw a couple names at you. Ah, oh, boy, you know what? The whole thing, the, the parity is just not there in the men's side. But what about someone like Rafael Nadal? Now, he's plus 400. Do you throw some cash his way or do you pass on this one? Passer passer play.
0: You know what, I play on Nadal as well. You know, I, I saw something the other week when he went to um, Canada, and uh, he, he was playing well on that court in Canada, and I, I like that court in Canada because um, it's quite similar to the US Open in terms of pace. Nadal likes that slower court. It's, it's not like Cincinnati where the ball was bouncing around all over the place at high speed. Um, the slower court, it's, it's it's not you know as slow as clay. He's not going to run the ball down like he does with Roland Garros but it it allows him into more games. And he then he get on a faster uh, pace court, and he's playing some real good stuff at the the Nadal as well. So he'll be on the opposite side of the draw from Djokovic as he as number two player in the world. So I, I like his chances, and I think you know he he's not in the same side of the draw as Federer, I believe. So I can see him getting to the final.
1: You know, I can, too, and I I probably put some shekels on him. You know, I I like the way he's played throughout his career. This is a kid, though, when I first saw him play, I think he was about 12, 13 maybe, and and I said to his uncle, I said, dude, he's just a one-trick pony. He's only going to win on clay. And he goes, you're right now. He says, but soon, you watch. He goes, you'd be surprised. And, and damn if he didn't do it. And My hat's off to him. He's probably one of the greatest ever. He should be in that conversation. And maybe when we get bored one day, we'll have that conversation. But at plus 400, you know, it's not a bad idea. Because you've got Djokovic and Federer on one side of the draw, and then you've got Nadal against everybody else on his side. And let's, let's face it. There's a fear factor when you play Rafael Nadal. And these young kids... And their longevity also works in their favor because most of those kids that they're playing against probably had one of the, one or more of their posters in their bedroom wall. So they're going to be a little weak-kneed when they see Rafael Nadal or a Djokovic or a Federer in that first couple rounds because you know how they like to get in cruise control and just whip your ass. And, and that's something that they do very well. I would do it, but I, I go ahead, Craig. What were you going to say?
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say you touched on on these guys, and especially the best-of-five-sets format. You know, a lot of these young guys, they just don't know how to play this format against someone <laughs> like Nadal or Federer. They, you know, they get two sets up, and the next thing you know, these guys are right back on top of them. They can grind it out. Nadal, he, he makes the points long. He makes you work hard, and eventually you just get so tired that you – you know you're trying to play shots that are not on or you're just not able to play the ball he knows he can use that to his advantage to get through the early rounds if he comes up against a difficult young guy uh who's trying to take advantage he can just run them into the ground
1: and that's what they do you know that's a great point too that five set thing and people are trying to eliminate that the younger players are they don't need to have five sets we're going to talk about noah rubin in a future episode because he had an interview that was priceless and, and it's something that we really need to talk about, Craig. But in the meantime, we've got this grand slam and it's five sets and it should be five sets. This is the way it's meant to be. And, and that's the way it should be. Two out of three. Come on, really? And then, then how many will you have the ladies play? You know, one, <laughs> maybe a super tiebreaker. One of those college, you know, uh, whatever, I don't get it. You know, they 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 constantly changing the game. They ruined the US Open because they were crying about fatigue. Everybody else in the world had to go through it, but maybe they don't want to. And maybe that's helped, but to me it's hurt it. But at the end of the day, five sets is a grind. And that's all part of it. And that's why you go out there and you play in those qualifiers and that's why you go out there and you bust your ass in places like India and Thailand or wherever and you learn how to play, and you get some experience. And the only way you're going to get that is by doing two things, having the cash and winning. And, and those two things will handle it for you very well. But Andy Murray's not in this tournament. That's a bummer. I was kind of looking forward to it. I think he's on his last leg. But I want to ask you about this kid. Now, I know this kid, as you know. Stefanos Sisupas, 2500 is he worth a pull on the Craig Doyle slot machine called Tennis Betting?
0: You know, I like this guy. I like this guy a lot. I've been watching him, you know, the last year. He's obviously risen up the rankings
1: to... Uh, Very quickly, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's gone top 10 real quickly. Not a lot of people were, were paying wins. attention He wins, that's why. Him.
1: He doesn't have a lot of money behind him either. He just went out and won. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Craig.
0: Yeah, he had, he had a, a difficult... Um, a little bit of a difficult time at Wimbledon when he went up in the first round there, but uh, mm-hmm. I quite like him on the hard court. It's, it's more suited to how he plays. Um, I, I think he can do some real good things here. He's going to be there in the second week for sure. Um, I, I don't see him getting surprised in the first week, and this guy's going to be a, a real star in the future.
1: Yeah, he's got Rubiev in the first round too, and that kid hits the ball well. But Stefanos, he knows how to, he's one of those few players who actually can go to the net and split step and hit volleys. He must have had a pretty good coach when he was younger. I can't remember that guy's name, but it doesn't matter. I was in Greece at the same time. So maybe, maybe, maybe we're going to whittle that down before the end of this show, Craig. But at the end of the day, you have this. Stefanos is a nice kid, first of all. Two, he works his ass off. Three, you never hear him cry or complain. Four, he's going to go places, but five, the flash ain't put no cash on Stefanos pass in this tennis tournament. He's not ready to make that next step. You see, he's not ready to hit that top five yet. But when he does when he gets to there then he's going to take somebody out that's what i think now one of the guys that a lot of people want to take out i mean all kinds of folks want to take out commentators want to take this kid out everybody in the world wants to take this kid out the flash likes him his name is nick curios and he's at plus 2800 craig this is a long shot for real but is that the type of long shot you take a bet on
0: uh not Nick Kyrgios he's, <laughs> he's just a little bit uh too random for me you know I, I actually love Nick Kyrgios um, you too man th- there's so much going on there he generates attention good and bad he's got that carefree style he's uh you know when he's having fun on the court you can see he's having fun he's playing all the shots and you know some shots you've never seen before um he's just a little bit too self-combustible you know every time he he looks like he's getting on a bit of a roll and uh, you can get behind him then he he goes and does something kind of stupid um you know whether it's throwing his racket or insults towards the uh <laughs> match officials or someone in the crowd or you know he, he it just has that temptation that he he can't hold it together long enough to uh get through a tournament these days but uh, I, I think like individual matches I'm going to be throwing down some cash in for the first few matches I think um, definitely value for money I, I'd advise people you know if you want to watch some stuff tune in uh, to Nick Curious because he's going to be doing uh He's going to be box office tennis. Now I don't like to use the term box office too much. It gets overused, but uh, that, that guy's definitely a draw. He's definitely someone that brings in the crowds, and whether it's to to watch him explode or to watch the shots he plays, uh, you're always going to get your money's worth watching Nick Kyrgios.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. He's been like that since he was a kid, too. I saw him beat somebody left-handed, dude. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he just felt like playing left-handed that day, and that's how good he is. And this kid is he's the best tennis player on the tour. He's just not the best winner on the tour. He hasn't gotten to that point yet because maybe he doesn't care. you know he he gets a lot of heat, a lot of criticism, you know from people who say they want to help him, but they keep criticizing him and he gets worse so maybe they're not helping him anymore because he's not listening. So maybe they need to cool it because you know maybe they're jealous or whatever because this kid hasn't won anything even close. He's won a couple tournaments this year but he hasn't won any big ones. Craig, not even a big one. He's worth ten million bucks already. He's just twenty-four. Remember that again. He's just twenty-four years old. Now Nick Kyrgios is a fantastic player at twenty-eight hundred to one to win. If you put up a hundred dollars, you're going to win. It and you're going to win two thousand eight hundred bucks. That's not a bad juice, and that's a kid who could win this tournament. He can beat all those players. He can beat all of them. He's not afraid of anyone. I would put my money on him. But I would also be prepared to lose it. I, I think I would have a better eye I, I wish they could give me like a better way of doing this, like maybe um a prop bet on how many games he plays before he says F you to somebody, or how many game how many sets before he gets a code warning, or something similar to that. That would be even a better bet. But that's your men's tour. Now what do you think? Is there somebody that you've got your eye on, Craig, that you think could maybe do some damage? in this tennis tournament, maybe even pull off an upset and win the whole shooting match?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of young guys. I I, I quite like the look of in terms of their game. Um, Unfortunately though, just, just, you know, these young guys, they don't seem to to be able to put, you know, that consistency together to get two or three games, two or three matches, sorry, in a row. And it's like, you know, you, you watch guys like Medvedev he, he's looked good the last couple of weeks on the hard courts but um, that extra extra set that he's got to win it'll run him down a bit can I really see him get into the second week yeah it's going to be tough for him um, few other you know young American kids are, are, are quite like the guy um, Opelka big huge serve it's a, it's a very serve dominated game you know he's going to serve he's going to hit four hands um, you always think if he's a real good day on serve he can take anyone out but is he going to have seven good days on serve in a row um probably not probably not um, <laughs> yeah no we're, we're being realistic here you know we're, we're talking about putting your money on these guys and you just uh you, you don't see it then you've got all those guys who have been wild cards for years you know those guys that sort of hover around in the top 10 and you know guys like uh, Kane Ishikori. yeah um, Kane Ishikori.
1: Know, Gail Myes
0: yeah, these are guys that are on their day though they can cause Roger Federer or Novak Djokovic some problems. You know, they can, they've got all the shots, but um, they just can't put all the pieces together. Um, I think it's getting a bit late in the day for guys like Songa. You know, they've had their time; they're they're on the way out. Um,
1: yeah, but they're going to pick up at least fifty-eight grand.
0: Hey, you know, if, if I could pick up fifty-eight grand, man, <laughs> I'd be in the first. I'm round. telling you
1: right now, I'm ready to I'm ready to go find my sneakers in my racket. Fifty-eight <laughs> G. You qualify. Get in there at 50 fifty-eight G, fifty-eight thousand bucks. Okay, it's not a lot to Roger Federer, but holy smokes! I mean, I remember when people were complaining when it was ten thousand bucks.
0: <laughs> That's how the world moves on, you see.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Fifty-eight
0: thousand yeah. bucks is not enough now, but you know, you used to only get ten thousand.
1: It's that sorry-ass Trump economic working out, probably. I don't know, but uh, here we go. I'm gonna give you a name. This is my long shot to win the whole thing he's not going to i wouldn't probably put my money on it but if you have a few extra shekels in your pocket that you're not afraid to lose francis tfo is the kind of guy that might win this whole thing because he he plays with a lot of excitement he plays with a lot of flair i was going to say flash but there's only one of those and at the end of the day i can't not see him at least win in a couple matches he's at 15,000 to 1 to or 15, plus 15,000 to win. So if you give, if you put 100 bucks up, you're going to be a happy son of a gun if he wins the whole thing. Now we got the girl side of this thing, the women's side of the draw. Our top five from 2015, Craig. Are you ready for this? Serena Williams was number one. Simona Halep was number two. Gabrielle Magaruza was number three. Maria Sharapova was number four. Agneska Radwanska was number five. Flash forward to 2019. Craig, Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams will play each other for the first time in the U.S. Open in the first round.
0: That's just, just huge, isn't it? I mean, you know,
1: <laughs> if if you're you're the U.S. Open tournament director, you're not going to have too many hard, uh, too many, too much trouble, I should say, finding an opening round match to put on center court. But this one might be good for about ten minutes.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a little bit of steel there. There's a little bit of tension. Um, yep,
1: lots. You know, of that. That,
0: that, yeah, it's an easy one, isn't it? That's your night session for the first round. For, for whatever day they put that match on, that's your your night session. You're going to have box office. Um, you've got two of the biggest, if not the biggest, two names in women's tennis. You've got the biggest name in American tennis right now. Um, You know, that's huge. It's it's everything the U.S. Open could have wanted. Um, You know, Maria Sharapova's not really done much of anything since she came back from that uh, doping ban. So to to get her up against Williams in an early round is is dream stuff for the U.S. Open.
1: Oh, it is dream stuff. And you know who won't be there? (laughs) Chair umpire Carlos Ramos. He won't be officiating any of the Williams sisters matches during the. US Open what in the world now I can't say that Serena had him barred the statement came from the United States Tennis Association who technically is runs this tournament but why I don't I you know I remember when Jeff Tarango and his wife got into it with Bruno Rabau remember Bruno Rabau? Oh, you're rolling the
0: years back now.
1: Yeah, I am. I know, but they got into it and nothing happened. I mean, I don't think Bruno did any more of his matches. Maybe he did. But this is kind of bizarre because, to be honest, Carlos Ramos did his job at the finals of the U.S. Open last year and Serena didn't like it much.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a real awkward one. I'm guessing they're not going to be justifying the decision not to have him on these matches. But, um, you know, t- to make that, to come out with that uh, statement, to make that before the tournament, is uh, for me, it's a little bit awkward. It's a little bit, uh, you know, it almost feels like some players could point and go, well, you know, I, I don't like this umpire. Why should this umpire be doing my match? So I, I imagine a few of the players will... Uh, be drawing attention to this point and uh, it'd be interesting to see if it comes up at some point during the tournament um, if there's an issue with an umpire and another
1: player. It could be. It could happen. But Serena's had issues with other officials at the U.S. Open before. This is not the first time. You know, I still remember her standing over that poor linesman with the tennis racket, bouncing the ball in front of him or I don't remember which one it was because she blocked him out. But the way... Remember that? She, she's dribbling the ball. She's doing ups in front of him. And I'm Did thinking... Didn't
0: she um, wow. default a match against Kim Clijsters here? The yeah. Year that, one of the years that Clijsters won because um, she fell out with a line judge who caught a foot fault on... Uh, that was,
1: that's the match I'm talking about. I don't think is they... Is that hit, the one, is it? Yeah, but I don't think they... Def, I don't... She didn't get... It wasn't a fire. She didn't get... Uh, the match didn't get terminated. I mean, she didn't get kicked out, but she came close. Something happened. But, I'm pretty
0: sure she lost the point, which was like a, Oh, a, yeah, a she lost the point. That's
1: why she did that thing. So she's had issues at the U.S. Open. See, even pressure gets to them, too. Even a Serena Williams, who has 24 majors, still feels the heat occasionally, right?
0: Yeah, and it's, you know tennis is such a a difficult game you know, there's not any real other individual sports out there like tennis, you know you're playing the game, you're on your own, there's nobody up to stand, not family, not coaches, not partners they can't help you hit the ball it's it's you against the opponent Um, you know, when you're playing the game you feel you you should make every ball and you want that ball to go where you want it to go and it's just not like that in reality, you know, it's such a difficult sport to play, and when things aren't going your way, it's easy to self destruct and make things a lot worse. And you know, some for some players they can deal with it in their head or they can deal with it um, through some sort of mental coaching. But you know, for any player, I, I guess like the, the, there is a breaking point, and it doesn't really matter who it is. You like 99% of players, you know, guys like Djokovic and stuff, you'll see them throw the racket or. Um, you know, shouted an umpire or whatever just to try and take some of that stress off and unfortunately sometimes it uh, it does go a little bit too far.
1: Yeah, but she gets kind of threatening. She kind of gets nasty and that was disappointing because she incited that crowd against that poor girl, Naomi Osaka, and all of a sudden, and then the girl's up there crying because you know they're they're after her and then Serena tries to be like, oh well, you she won her first grand slam you know like didn't want to take any 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 responsibility for any of it and that's crazy but she's at three, a plus 350 to win the United States Open do you do it
0: oh man it's it's so difficult isn't it because oh, like it she's is. she's got to a few of these um slam finals and it, she's just not managed to pull the trigger and uh, you know get over the line and get that that slam in the bag and it's like you're looking, there's younger girls, there's fitter girls, there's girls who are in better form, and it's it's so difficult. I mean, uh, to predict a women's draw uh, in the first place is just really, really tough. And, you know, I, I don't fancy Serena here. I, I really don't. I think she might get to the semifinals, but uh, I've got a feeling we'll, we'll probably see a first-time
1: winner here. Yeah, that's that's very possible because we ran down the top five, from 2015. And now we've got... Naomi Osaka is the number one player. Ashley Barty, number two. Carolina Pliskova, number three. Simone Halep, number four. And Elena Svitlonas, or whatever. It, it, that's, that's nuts, man. I'm sorry, it's Svitolina. See, I can't even get these names out. There's so many of them. And every week it changes, Craig. Every week, a new flavor of the month appears. And on that list, the one that no one seems to be talking about is at plus seven hundred, and that's Simona Halep. That's where I think I'm going to put a few shekels, Simona Halep, to win this U.S. Open.
0: Well, she's just uh, fresh off winning her second Grand Slam. You know, yes, she's she is. always she's always close, isn't she? She comes uh, sort of second half she'll always make the second week she's uh she's got a big game she's uh her, her movement's really good she, she's very consistent she, you know she said she's been there for the last five years really so um yeah she's a good shout i, I just you know i i fancy a wild card I, I just look down the draw and see if i could find someone that uh, you know is flavor of the month i guess um but um you know, it's one of those that women's joy. You get so many surprises in the first week that almost anything can happen.
1: And that's the thing; almost anything can happen. And like Naomi Naomi Osaka. She's not. She's a nice player. You know, I think I I don't know. She seems to be a very quiet, shy girl, and she's very emotional. And she hits the ball a ton. She's a smart tennis player. But, Craig, uh, mentally, she sometimes just looks like she's not even having fun. Her body language looks as if the pressure is about to get to her. And, and I don't know if I want to put any, any, any bob up there on her at plus 800. I don't think she's going to repeat in this tennis tournament no
0: no I I don't see that I think she's been struggling for a while Um, I think um, with her winning like two grand slams on a roll there was a lot of pressure put on her by the WTA Um, we touched earlier on in the in in this show about the the men's tour with these three guys who have been there for the past like 10-12 years how they're like superstars and they carry the brand well the WTA you know, outside of Serena Williams, now doesn't really have that superstar, and they're already, you know, looking for that next woman who's going to carry this global brand. And Osaka came along, won two Grand Slams, and all of a sudden she was like the the next big thing in women's tennis. And I think she's kind of struggled a little bit to uh, get her head around that. It's affected her game. She's uh, not playing as freely, or um, you know, with as much concentration and love for the game as she was before, so I, I just think she's one you want to avoid for this tournament.
1: Yep, I agree with that completely. You know who else I think I want to avoid? Sloane Stevens at plus 1,800 to one. Now, two seasons ago, she did what I thought she would never do. Gotta own that one. She won a Grand Slam. But not without controversy. Apparently, her former coach decided, they decided to link back up and he, at the time, was coaching Monica Puig and just informed her at the last minute that he wouldn't be able to coach her during the U.S. Open and that he was going to be working with Sloane Stevens. That is not very ethical.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the world of women's tennis. You know, you yeah, see it you all ain't... the time. <laughs> Coaches jumping on what the next player that they think is going to give them, you know, a boost to their coaching career. That they're going to swap one girl out for the next and you know these girls they don't like it, they don't like each other when this happens and uh, you know that creates a lot of tensions in women's tennis especially with all these coaches Um, you know they're looking to get their their meal ticket and um, it could be interesting it could be very interesting with uh, Sloane Stevens coach hooking back up with her ahead of this tournament but um, I think that's probably going to be more of a distraction to her than a help
1: well, she needs an excuse when she loses early because that's what's going to happen. I've never been a fan of Sloane Stevens. You know, she, she had that little tennis queen elite before she actually got to that point, and, and maybe she got lucky in 2017, but I don't see her doing that this year. You know, Camu Murray, whatever, you know. Dude, really? I mean, that's what makes coaches look bad. You don't just walk out on your, on your pupil the week before the biggest tournament in her life. The U.S. Open is huge, you know, Monica Puig is from Puerto Rico, and that's to her, this is her tournament. And to just sack her a week before the event and go run up and then join up with one of her competition, that's not good. And and sacking Sven Garofield like 48 hours, I mean, within 48 hours, there's a whole lot of collusion there. You know, I think that's a bigger issue than anything else we're going to see at this tennis tournament. People are going to be talking about this the entire fortnight, Craig.
0: Yeah, certainly on the on the um, ladies' side of the jaw, the women's jaw There, it's um, you know, it's, it's drama before you even see the first tennis ball in the main jaw hit. There's going to be plenty of, of chatter. Um, regarding the coaches I'm I'm sure that might add a little bit of extra tension to some of these matches if these players do meet so yeah you know what it's like at the Open though there's always so many stories you know it's not always about what's happening on the court there's so much going on off the court there's so much you know last grand slam of the year tensions are high a lot of players looking to get that big payday or you know get that big title under their belt a lot of people with aspirations of winning their first one a lot of people with you know you guys like your Djokovic's and your serena williams is they're looking to set records and break records so um gonna be a lot of tensions tensions on high for the next fortnight for sure
1: for sure my wild card here the one i would put some money on I like Ashley Barty. I like her game. I like how transparent she is about her issues in the past, trying to deal with the stress and the anxiety in tennis and taking a complete season off, which you don't see much, getting refocused, recommitted, getting some more cash, and going to take care of business at plus 1,000. I can deal with that. I think she's going to go far in this event.
0: Yeah, no, good player, real good player. You know, she's uh, she's shown that this year already. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise when she she got knocked out of Wimbledon um, a little earlier than most people would have thought. And I think um, that's maybe taken a uh, a little bit of the the hype out of her. The, you're going to get a better odds now than you would have done um, had she done a little bit better at Wimbledon. So definitely uh it's it's not just a a gamble it's not really a wild card it's it's a real sensible um bet for
1: me who you like who you liking as a wild card over there real quick
0: um i I quite like svitalina actually um i I know you you said she's top five and uh you know it's maybe not not so much a wild card but um i do like Svidalina. i think there's something there i think um it would be a hardcore if she does ever win a grand slam so um I think I'll uh, I'll go with Suedalina as a little bit of an outsider, one that maybe a lot of people don't look at.
1: Yeah, you know what? We'll find out next week, Craig. We'll we'll see how we're doing so far. You know what? After we got over the hurdle, after I remembered to turn on the recorder, it didn't go too bad, did it?
0: no you know we're rolling and uh, you know for the people people listening this is not pre-scripted we, we, we really do just roll through this it's, it's really what we passionately think and what we feel about and I think that's what's always been great about it. this week in tennis is, is that it's uh,
1: true to the heart yeah you know what we do have an outline though I mean we do talk about things throughout the week but yeah, well, you know, like- <laughs> but then, well, then, then we go off the reservation like crazy people but that's a good thing that's what makes it so good man it makes it so much fun talking tennis with you my friend
0: absolutely you know if it was a script it would be uh, boring you know you get some of these shows where guys are taking up opinions that they, they don't believe in this this is two guys that really believe in the sport and b- believe in what they believe in and they're going to say it so I, th- I think that's why it's always been such a successful model that we've operated over here
1: I still can't believe they got a roof of <laughs> what it was you're, you're not
0: letting that go I knew that was going to come before this show ended
1: <laughs> Craig give us your uh, Twitter one more time buddy
0: I'm at CD Sports Media, and you can follow me if you enjoy um, photography, particularly sports photography, uh, women's soccer photography, and uh, you know, we
1: sometimes got a little bit of tennis on there too. All right, you can find me at Flash Tennis 31. This Week in Tennis can be heard at iTunes, Stitcher, and in a couple weeks, Max Sports Channels, where it actually belongs. Until next week, he's Craig Doyle. I'm Phil Nasons. Thanks for listening to This Week in Tennis.